We thank thee again, O God, that salvation is of thee. Without thee, there would be no hope. We would not be able to even hear thy words and our hearts wanting to in, grasp it and to obey it. So we bless thee, Lord, for the grace that finds that our minds been changed more and more unto the image of thy son. What a privilege. So we pray now, O oh God, for the necessary help in the speaking, that that which ought to be said will be said, and that which ought not would be held back, but most of all with the goal of thy son being lifted up and glorified in another, none other scene. We pray and ask for thy help in Jesus' name, and thank thee for it. Amen. Okay, I'm going to speak on just a couple verses out of Jude, the verse 20 and 21. I'll read it first. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So I would um, like to just mention, I guess, comments on different portions of these verses. The first three words, or close to the first three words, building up yourselves. I wanted to point out that that speaks of our moral and being, that we're moral and responsible agents and that God expects of us of things. Again, I probably hark back to my um, easy believism influence and see how poisonous that is, that we would think if we're saved, we could just coast along as if one has a ticket in the hand. It doesn't matter where we go after that, but not so that we're encouraged everywhere in a scripture. And this is one of them because it says building up yourselves. So we have a part in it. We have a duty, a responsibility to the one who saved us. For he saves us for a purpose, for his glory. And the one verse that uh, came up that reminded me of this as well in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are, the, are, ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So again, it shows that we are laborers together with God, but not as if we're doing the same as God. But he has called us into his farm field, if you will his husbandry, or his building part, because it says we're lively stones. So we, again, have some some glorious pictures there that God is working with us, but we are to be active, not, I guess, freeloaders, maybe a word that could be used. And then it, <clears throat> building up yourselves, it goes on to say, on your most holy faith, most holy faith speaks that the, our faith is based on God's word, holy doctrines, that are, again, man's responsibility to God, that the doctrines are to be dutifully practiced and obeyed. And to this, prayer is very vital, because we, without God's help, we would always fail and disappoint ourselves and be very forlorn. But there is the encouragement that if God commands us something, it's not in vain. It is doable. We've seen it in past soldiers, if you will, 
that had gone on, even though not perfect, we could see that there have been many lives well lived. So prayer encouraged since we're here in prayer, the prayer is a very vital part of that. And one good reason that we are assembled for prayer is that we're looking for that help that we might build up ourselves in the most holy faith. And next part of the verse says the praying in the Holy Ghost. Again, our prayer is where we are here is to be not our own strength, our words, or whatever our mental capacity can do. Even a child, even might I say someone handicapped can pray and call on to God. It would be more of a function of coming earnestly and, and sincerely, if you will, to God and speaking that which is our heart unfeigned, uncomplicated uh, by double-mindedness and things like that. So our most holy, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost, sorry, is we need the Spirit's help to do this, as it suggests the last words of that saying. And we need his enabling, enabling to be able to be successful in this and living in the center of God's will. So there shows to us the priority that we are to be praying in the Holy Ghost, not of our own strength, not doing what we want at other times and then coming to prayer and saying words, but a whole life seeking to always be pleasing the Lord as the, the main object of our life, the main purpose, and with that mindset that Christ had to always please the Lord and serve him as it was the Father's, his meat to do the Father's will. That is how we pray when we pray in that mindset and obedience. It's in the Holy Ghost or at the center, if you will, or not contrary to the Holy Ghost. Maybe you could do it that way. Another verse that reminds me of this is Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And particularly the second the next verse and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of god that's the emphasis i wanted the last part according to the will of god so again praying in the holy ghost and the holy spirit even helps us as we follow and obey his leading in our lives and next verse 21 it starts with keeping yourselves so again, those words are very active words. Keeping ourselves shows that God expects us to exercise what he has made and created in us to be moral and responsible agents. That we are to be active and not, if you will, cruise, float along, or whatever words would suggest slovenness. And a note along the way, I thought about when I saw, actually it was pointed to me something I read, that the verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, is, fulf is fulfilled by obeying verse 20, the one that we just read. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That is fulfilled if we obey that. The second verse, keeping yourselves in the love of God, to be in the center of the love of God is to follow on diligently and uh, lovingly to want to serve and please our God. And the next verses that I already mentioned a bit in the love of God, it says, uh, I believe it speaks to us of obediently toil. 
and sacrifice to please him, a so, uh, our king, sort of like a soldier who works to be in most fit form while he's not in battle, so that when battle comes, he can do everything he can for his king. So that's kind of a picture that reminded me of that. <clears throat> and another verse in the scripture that speaks that idea to help us think about it, it says, as the father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. So again, the act of keeping ourselves, obeying it to be in the love of God. I thought of something that's different, thinking of the soldier serving his king, that unlike the soldier, we have such a great benefit or advantage that we, when we look at the picture of the, or the sight of our glorious Christ, as we see in Revelation of his white hairs here, actually, I'll go to it to read it. It's verse 13 of chapter 1 of Revelation, 13 to 15. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And, uh, and the next verse, I guess, is also adds to that. And it says, And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, which speak of his omnipotence, whatever he says comes to pass. And his countenance was as the sun, as the sun shineth in his strength. So just like we cannot bear the sun without his grace, maybe you could say the protective goggles some people wear to look at the sun eclipse, same as God is so great. Without help, we would not be able to bear him, which is what we will have when we go to glory and be able to see him face to face. So that is to encourage us, that picture I was wanting to highlight, the sight of our glorious Christ. And again, to highlight that amazing scope of how great our God and our Savior is the, of his glorious appearance in Revelation against the sin bearer on the cross torn uh, face lacerated and back dripping and not desirable to even look at the Bible teaches hanging there no one wanting him rejected by all not having anyone who's they all ran away oh, what a picture of our savior how wonderful it is to think of such a, a contrast of such a glorious son of god and and to see that sin bear their pitiful looking humanly speaking rejected even of man and of the father hanging there till he dies that makes it a great picture that the soldier again doesn't have that he would be uh, encouraging himself to serve his king, how much more do we have reason to want to serve this glorious king that we have who has saved us? We are the recipients of this benefit of him dying on the cross. In the last part of the verse, looking for mercy, it says, let's see, um, 
Yeah, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. This is, I believe, a, a kind of an encouragement that though we feel we have much responsibility and we should love him and our flesh is not, uh, if you will, leaning that way, it fights us. But here we have hope that even as we're encouraged to do so, that God is merciful. So as we go, as we go toward towards this along this life battle that we know that he will provide for us and he will in the end will give us the hope of victory because he's conquered for us and he loves us to begin with so that leaning on that mercy gives us that encouragement even when we fall to get up and go because our father loves us